Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a Jewish coffeehouse podcast, the show on which everyday creatives share their unique journeys. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, podcast coach, and also your host. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone back to the Francisca Show podcast. I would like to give a shout out to jewishcoffeehouse.com for being a support system and make sure to check out their other podcasts as well. And today we will be going a little off topic, even though we're staying completely on topic, we are going outside of the Jewish sphere and we're going to get a perspective on faith and branding from a woman of faith of another faith. And without any further ado, I'll introduce our guest, Sina Port, who I met through Instagram through her successful podcasting brand. Sina is a podcaster, woman of faith, and brand strategist. So I'm very excited to have her on because she will give us a perspective on building brands specifically for artists and from a perspective of women of faith. She's very familiar with modesty and all the other issues that come up for women of faith and how that correlates with brands and specifically when it comes to artists, when your brand is who you are, essentially. And I think this is going to be such a fun episode. We might go off track a little bit because there might be other topics we might want to cover, but I'll let it be a bit more freestyle. So welcome to the show, Sina. It's so nice to have you today. Amazing. Thank you, Francesca, for having me. I'm really excited. The last time we spoke, we already went so much off topic. So <laughs> I'm really blessed to get to know you, especially nowadays with social media. Um, it's really nice to find someone who can, you, you can share values with. Yes, absolutely. And for anyone listening, we talked about unorthodox and we had to get all those questions out of the way before we can start going deep and really bringing value when it comes to building a brand as a woman of faith with with values that make come up as contradiction when it comes to building a business. Okay. And I think the um, elephant in the room, which faith are you? And the answer is Islam, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, I'm a Muslim woman. Yes. <laughs> okay. Welcome. So this is an interfaith episode and I am really thrilled to be doing this and I hope you are thrilled to be listening to this as well. I know you didn't start out as a, a Muslim woman and your journey doesn't begin there. You are actually double-layered. You grew up Christian. Yes. <laughs> As we talked, I mean, this is a beautiful interfaith conversation. And I grew up Christian. But what I didn't tell you actually last time is that my grandmother and my grandfather, so my grandmother from my mother's side and my grandfather from my father's side, um, were both Jewish. So I, I grew up with a lot of consciousness of different faiths. Except the Islamic faith. So that's very, very funny, actually. I only understood about Islam and learned about Islam as I was, you know, meeting people in my professional space and I was traveling around the world and I would get to know people of faith in Malaysia, in Spain, in the UK, here in Germany. So um, that's from a faith perspective, from a kind of business and brand perspective. I've been doing branding since about 10 years, I think even longer. It's been such a long time. And I'm working both with companies on their brand strategy, but also specifically with women and women of faith to create their personal brands. And I think it's so important specifically if you're a woman of faith and you have certain values that don't really align with 
the society you're living in, right? Um, that you are aware of your personal brand and that you are confident and comfortable to show everything you are and you stay true to your values, even if people create spaces where your values are not really the majority and are not really welcomed in that sense. And specifically, women of faith in industries and as an artist as well in an industry that is very much driven by pop culture and the society you're living in specifically in the west it's so important to come back to those values and to stay true to them to not to not lose yourself and your identity and where you actually want to go yes absolutely so i think that that's a bit of an introduction yeah so in the personal branding space i I create courses. I am a podcaster myself. That's how we get to know each other, right? The Shared Diversity Podcast. And you'll be there as well as a guest. So I love that kind of collaboration. So it's really, we talk about business branding and womanhood. Those are like my three topics and areas that I really love talking about and teaching women about that and how they can apply it in their life and career. I love that. Yeah. And I'm very excited to be on your podcast as well. Give us a little bit more personal background. I did not know about the Jewish aspect. So you grew up in? In Germany. I grew up in Germany, born and raised. Yeah. Um, it's fun because a lot, of, a lot of people still think that I live abroad and I, I just moved back here two years ago because of some work experience, uh, work experience and opportunities. But um, most of my adult life, I would just want to say a professional life because I was working way before I became an adult, I would say, but most of my adult life, I lived abroad. So I lived in Spain, in Madrid, and I lived in Malaysia for about four years um, in Kuala Lumpur, which is a very, very vibrant and culturally and faith diverse place. And then I lived in London. And of course, London, I mean, most of the big cities, you always have like a lot of diverse communities that you can kind of get to know. So people are much more open to other faiths and other cultures because you're just exposed to them. Um, but yeah, and then I came back to Germany about two years ago for, for work. So right now in Germany, it's winter, it's snow outside. <laughs> I think we'll come back to your personal life a little more throughout the episode, but we'll jump right in here with the whole branding. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, you for sure should know by now, I have a marketing background. However, still when people who call themselves brand strategists, when they start using these terms, somehow I don't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> so I get and that, yeah. <laughs> I will take that a step deeper and assume anyone who did not major in marketing mm -hmm. would definitely just Okay, first of all, there's that sense of respect. You probably know what you're talking about. You've probably helped fancy companies with their brands and social media. What does that actually mean? When you come in, what are the tasks or what are the results that you help companies achieve? I would actually go a bit more direct to your listeners because you told me most of your listeners are artists. So I want to make that very concrete and, and valuable for them. So branding in in general, a lot of people think it's like the design of your brand, your website, your logo, the colors that you use. And I like to to talk about something that my mentor asked me two years ago. <laughs> I don't even know. I think even longer ago. And he asked me, Sina, how do you catch butterflies? And I didn't really have an answer, but I thought like, this is a very deep question. I don't know why, but I know this, you know, these kind of questions that people ask and, you know, I'm going to remember the answer to this one. And I just answered listen, you have that net thingy and you just run around and try to catch them, right? You can't try to catch butterflies actively. And 
My mentor said, no, you don't catch butterflies. You build a garden and you let them come to you. And that is what personal branding is. So if I would explain it to you as an artist, personal branding is basically everything that you create around yourself, how you show up in the world and how you present your art and your work to the outside world so that people and opportunities would come to you because you want to attra- you want to reflect what you want to attract into your life. So if you for instance I would take you as an example, it's very obvious from the way you speak and from your platform. Your platform is your social media, your Instagram, your podcast as well that you are a woman of faith. So you have the values of a woman of faith and you are very specific about your values and what you want to give to the world. Um, as well as your platform reflects impact because you want to make impact and have impact on people around the world and give them kind of the guidance and help them to achieve what you achieved, probably just easier and in, in shorter time. So I can see from your, the way you show up in the world, what kind of opportunities you would attract. So that, that's kind of this, this thought that you always have to keep in mind. Your personal brand is that garden that you build. And what kind of garden you build is kind of your um, viewpoint. A lot of people think you can only create a brand online. And I do think nowadays that's important. I, I mean, we've seen it this year. It's so important to be independent from physical environments. But it's also just everyone has a personal brand, whether you know it or not, or whether you are aware or control it or not, because your personal brand is basically your reputation. So when I would introduce Francisca to a friend of mine, how would I describe you? That's your personal brand, because that's how I see you. And specifically when you are part of a community that is kind of that where people attach kind of stereotypes or expectations on, you need to be very active in controlling your reputation and controlling what you want people to think and see and feel when they see you and your art, right? So for an artist specifically, that comes with the music that you put out. What is the story behind that music or what is the story behind your art, right? I've also introduced um, a calligrapher in my podcast and she talked about talking about why she creates the way she creates and what influences her, what's the intention. So what's the story? What is your story? And then also what is your story to coming into your art, right? What's your backstory, your experiences, your personal life and the things that you have experienced that brought you to this artwork? Um, And then how, how are you giving value to others? So how does that actually bring value and impact to your audience, however that looks like, What's, whether that's your followers or your fan base, listeners. Um, so you can build an online brand or an offline brand, but it's basically what people think about you and what you stand for. I really love how you described it. You brought in all the different elements that really apply. When I use these terms, I like to use for brand, because there are so many interpretations to what brand strategy or brand is, uh, I like to use messaging and positioning mm-hmm. when you speak about the creating the garden and attracting the butterflies to you. Also, I really appreciated how you explained that everyone has a brand and it's really up to you how you want to control the narrative. Are you going to control it or are you going to allow everyone else to control you and put you in that box? So that's also very, very relatable to anyone in business and art. 
and definitely relatable to anyone who's not in business and in art, who is just a person of faith. Because, and then anyone who has both, obviously, definitely wants to take control of the narrative of their brand. And that's really, let me just use the word intentional branding, you know, instead of it being something that's passive that happens to you, really be active about it. And all the things you mentioned, how I come across online, let me just say that it's all intentional. (laughs) I do not like Instagram. It's not my favorite app. It's not my favorite thing to do at all, but I, I work at it. It's, it's my work ethic coming through not my passion exactly and and there's no one size fits all so how other people might use instagram and how you know marketers and so-called personal branding experts would explain how the majority of western society i would just say that now use instagram which is show of who you are if you are a beautiful woman show your body right all these kind of things and narratives you don't need to buy into that because that's not that's not you and that shouldn't be something that you should take on so however you want to build your personal brand that's that's really your opinion and decision and that's what you can see with your instagram for instance right you intentionally you would probably not share anything personal like what is going on in your household uh, that you're struggling with or you wouldn't show off your beauty excessively to the world right all these kind of things like what are the values that you're setting and then reflect that Um, one of the things that quite early on that I wanted to talk about was modesty and personal branding. And we talked about this, right? Modesty has so many different definitions and it's kind of like a triggering word for a lot of people. But modesty and personal branding is so important because people who are not people of faith, they would say modesty is kind of... um, Restricting. Restricting. And also not showing off what you're really good at. So you have modesty from like a physical standpoint, but also from like how do I talk about what I do, right? You don't want to brag. But I feel modesty is much more liberating because you directly build that filter for the audience to come in. So you are attracting what you reflect. You will attract people who who value modesty and they will come and follow you. And that's kind of like the audience you want. You don't want, specifically for Instagram and social media channels, you don't want the wrong people to slide into your DMs. You want people who respect you and who can identify with you. And our relationship is a proof, complete proof that we got attracted to each other based on how we showcase ourselves online. Exactly. Yeah. So now that you brought up the whole topic of modesty and that it could be triggering, we've definitely talked about that on this podcast. What major categories or lines because i know you said something about not sharing so much personal information however in branding there is a fine line between personal information and then tmi which is inappropriate but i use this podcast especially this platform to talk about a lot of the issues that are usually are swept under the rug or are inappropriate and I, I think that there's a lot of value to talking about things that are usually not talked about. For example, when I went through my miscarriage, I didn't talk about it right away, but I did bring a major focus from an arts point of view. I, did, I created a song and a music video and dedicated to it. I also talked about it on my podcast. I used my art form and my channel to really bring a voice to certain challenges and and pain that other people don't feel comfortable yet now even even a year later 
there's so much more conversation around topics like infertility and miscarriages, pregnancy loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it, we come back to the intention, right? When you said intentional branding, it's so important that you come from it from a point of positive intent and also creating impact in spaces. So where I see kind of the buckets of personal branding is you either want to create community space and identity so people can identify with you. You can talk about these conversations that are not really given a space to because you have this platform now to, to do that. And you can do that by starting your own podcast, going on social media, writing a blog, whatever you want and what your thing is. Um, that is one bucket. Then the next would be um, education, expertise, discussion, and that you, they can always intertwine because, of course, when you talk about things that are happening in your community, for instance, you, you brought people in with different viewpoints on that and discussions can and conversations can change the world, right? So that could also be a bucket. And then branding, legacy and value, and that's what we talked about. But what you said was so interesting because I see... I see a lot of times modesty, of course, is is a personal definition, right? Everyone defines it for themselves. And I don't believe that I can judge the way you define it and the other way around, right? It's your personal, it's private. Um, but it's so in- interesting how people use their platform, use their artwork. And that's why I think it, there's so much power in being an artist because you can talk about these topics, not by going on social media and just talking about it right away or you know, sharing everything, everything in your life, your personal space, but you can make it into art and people still understand and connect with it. So that's one of the things that the power of art when it comes to sharing what defines you and what can change your community to the better and then the other one is people confuse personal branding for sharing your personal life so there's two different things one is your personal life where you have restrictions on what you want to share with the world one of the rules that I always have is if I have something to share from my personal life I first have to mentally physically and emotionally and also spiritually overcome that problem and find a solution in order to share it later because I don't want to share the mess in my life as it is happening. I want to share later on my learnings, my reflections and the value that I can bring to other people because of that experience, right? That's one of the rules. And then the other one is you intentionally share parts of your personal life. You, For instance, you wouldn't go on social media and talk about a fight that you had with your husband, these kind of things, right? Because you don't want to be known for the issues that you're going through in life. You want to be known for the learnings that you took out of your experiences. So let me ask you this. There are major Instagram influencers out there who definitely show everything. And the the classic example is Kim Kardashian and her family, where you literally see everything what's happening. Maybe you're seeing it a few months later, but it's unfiltered, basically. You know, the juicier, the better. And it works so well because she's one of the highest earning influencers because she model, an actress, an entrepreneur, all of these things. But it started from having that influence and having that audience. So clearly that stuff works. So if, if, Let's say I'm sitting in my shoes and I'm like, I want to be that latest thing. And I'm not saying I want to, but that stuff works. And then if I limit myself because I'm a modest woman, because I'm a woman of faith, then how 
And by the way, I hate saying I'm a modest woman. <laughs> it's so like uncomfortable, but for the sake of this conversation, that doesn't work with my style and my branding. It does feel limiting. So who who does this on on such a, you know, high level on such a high scale that it's really effective? but they are very limited. Do you know what I'm saying? Everyone else sort of has their channel. For example, they're an actor, so they're movies. So they just open an Instagram, suddenly they have a million followers. I'm talking about people who build their brands on Instagram. They're using Instagram to build their brand. And they f- and to learn from the best, the best are sharing every side of their life. So my question's clear, right? Yeah, so again... You would probably ask yourself the question, how would you describe Kim Kardashian to a person who doesn't know her? And then ask yourself if you want to be described the same way, right? And your answer is probably no, no shade, but it's probably no. So (laughs) think about it. That wasn't my question necessarily. (laughs) There are other women like her and men. But my, the question being really is the difference between somebody who already built a brand and then opens an Instagram account goes big versus somebody who is not big and wants to become big through Instagram and they want their business to take off or their brand name. through. So you're asking what's music. the difference or what is the approach in the difference? The approach in the difference. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things is... You, I'm, I would just talk about your audience again. It's probably not big actors that go on social media. It's probably those who want to use social media to become and grow, grow their brand. So from that viewpoint on, you just need to know what your goals are. As everything in life, clarity and focus is power. So is your goal actually to grow your audience to a million followers? Or is your goal to really reach a community of to create loyal fans, create, reach a community of people who would also like to sponsor you, who would like to get you engaged into events and business opportunities and collaborations. What is your goal? So, so a lot of people, specifically those who would say, I am a modest woman, <laughs> I'm a modest person, they don't really look for followership if they actually look at what comes with followership because you don't want to attract again everyone in the industry into your space you want the right people because as soon as you get people who just follow you for the sake of getting entertainment because you're dramatic and you're showing everything in your personal life you will eventually invite also negative energy into your space so think about what you want. If that's your followership, then probably your biggest advantage is just to create a lot of content, um, share a lot of controversial controversial topics, and um, go into the trending topics and collaborate with people who are already who already have that audience. If you really want the right audience, you go to those people who have that audience that you share values with. And what I always talk about is the shared diversity. And that's why I also uh, called my podcast that because you share values, morals, and respect for each other, but you are diverse and you differ in your experiences, in your skills, and what you focus on. So for us, for instance, right, your, your values very much 
collide with my values, like positively, if you can say that, collide positively. <laughs> we share values, but we also differ from our personal experiences. Um, you don't want to collaborate and and work with people that you don't respect. And that's both in collaborating, for instance, to grow your audience. So I'm guesting on your podcast, this way other people get to know me. You guest on my podcast, this way my audience gets to know you. That's a part of collaboration on and of growing your brand, specifically when you go on social media, when you go on Instagram, you go on Instagram live. That, like that's the, that's the really um, practical things that I'm telling you right now. But then also in terms of the opportunities that you get in the meantime. So followers don't equal income. Followers don't equal success. You need to look at the right brands and people and fans to attract to your side. And that's why it's so important that you figure out what does your audience actually care for? What do they want to see? And how can you, without compromising your value, values, give that to them? And that's when you also will attract opportunities where you want to say yes, of course. And you don't think, mm, maybe I would like to compromise because the money is good, but the the company is a bit shady, right? So you want to attract the right audience and the right people. And again, followership is not equal to success. I have a lot of friends who have, um, you know, 800,000 followers, but they have problems to connect to the right brands and audiences, and even to the right audience who would like to buy their products, because it's very specific and when you create community, there's a lot of it in relationship building and people being able to identify themselves with you. So they would like to just filter out some of their followers to actually know who is my audience. And that's the advantage when you're just starting because you can define that. You can define which audience you want. And again, I also have friends who have you know, 2000 followers and they already get brand deals and sponsorships and people buy from them and they made $10,000 in the first month of their course launch. So it really depends on what your goal is. If your goal, um, depending on your goal, you will set your content strategy and brand strategy. Right. And you've already shared so many beautiful brand strategies. I just want to validate the idea of artists wanting a combination of both in business there is, you know, you want to definitely niche down, serve a certain audience or solve one product. With artists, it's a little bit different because there is that desire for name recognition. There's the desire for making an impact. There's a desire for sharing your art with as many people as possible, not necessarily with a specific sect of people. And for Orthodox Jews, you're already limited in certain creative art forms to women only because men are just out the door for that. So it just makes the creating that clarity for your goals much harder because mm -hmm. on one hand, you want to make as big of an impact as you can. On the other hand, you want to have smart brand strategy and really form an audience that's smart for you. And if your goal is to create an income, then the followership is completely irrelevant to creating a six or seven figure income. Yeah. And also what I always talk about is specifically when you, when you go into content strategy for branding um, that you always focus and that depends on everything, but you always focus on your strengths. So let's say Instagram is there and it's probably one of the most popular places to build your brand as an artist but it's not the only, you also have YouTube, you have also have long content, uh, long form content platforms like a podcast like you use this right um 
YouTube, Pinterest. You also have LinkedIn specifically when it comes to getting hired for events. So these are kind of, now you have TikTok specifically for artists. TikTok is really, really big. So you need to know what your platform is. And my rule kind of that I want to give everyone on the way is you, you should create what you consume. So if you are a podcast fanatic, start a podcast. If you love Instagram and you understand how it works and what kind of content you like personally, then go on Instagram. The same with Pinterest, LinkedIn. So figure out what kind of content pl platform and content form you know the most about and you're most comfortable with. And again, when it comes to modesty, maybe you don't want to show your face. Maybe you just want to act with your voice then do a podcast. It's a great content platform also to reach a wider audience. And you need to just find out what you're good at because from high school to performance center to like now personal development, everyone tells us focus on becoming better at your weaknesses and make your weaknesses your strengths. And it's scientifically not proven. Actually, scientifically, it's proven that if you focus on your strengths, specifically artists, when they focus at what they're good at, they are much more successful than those who try to do be good at everything because you want to make your strengths your mastery, right? You want to be, be what you're good at. You want to become great at it. So focus on what you're already good at. If you're good in presenting and starting conversations, start a podcast. If you're good at talking to people face to face then go on youtube as a long form content format tiktok instagram also think about creating online events over zoom you can do specifically now in the online space you can do private parties from home where you just have a concert over zoom like just get creative with the content platform that fits you mostly and focus on the strengths that, like on your strengths and things that you already love doing so i love what you're saying and uh, speaking of Zoom concerts, <laughs> which sounds so awesome. I just like my brain switches off. No, I do not want that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it, it's so true because it's so much more effective than trying to improve on your weaknesses. Outsource the stuff you don't like or you're bad oh, at yeah. or just stay away from it at all. Especially costs. as an artist, because a lot of times we think when we are creative, we are good at everything, but you need to save and really protect make it, safe space, <laughs> protect your creative energy because you only have that much of it. So people always say, you don't, don't spend all your money. You have to invest your money. You have to invest your creativity and your energy as well. So if you're good at designing something, but you're really bad at answering emails or scheduling calls with people outsource that and it doesn't only have to be outsourcing to professionals who you pay you can also outsource to your best friend or you, to your family and it come it can come also in your private life like I told my husband listen I really like cooking but I it really drains my energy so let's ask my mother to kind of prepare some of the meals or let's do meal delivery or order in from a place that we really like like you need to outsource things to people that do it better because we are living not in, living in a gig economy only where everyone has something that they're good at but this is how societies and communities work. That's why we always say, right, invest back into your community. If you know someone who's good at something that you really are bad at and that drains your energy, you know, pay her. And the other way around, she will pay you to design, to, to create the entertainment for an event that, she's, that she has coming up. Like, just 
just help each other to foster each other's strengths and support each other and protect your energy, specifically your creative creativity. <laughs> yes, that is such, those are so important. You know, I, I think people, when they thought they're going to listen to this episode, especially the way I'm going to title it, you're going to get all your branding strategies and you're thinking of like a, a four or 10, a checklist, you know, do this, do that. And really it's going to be protect your energy, focus on your strengths, eliminate the things that drain your energy. Well, that's the same stuff. Then, you know, focus on quality on your audience versus the followership, like all attract the stuff. What you, yeah. Reflect what you want to attract. Reflect, yeah. reflect what you want to attract. Exactly. And so much of it is so intuitive and makes so much sense. And it's almost like, why did I need somebody to tell me that? That's so obvious. Yeah. And you brought up cooking and your husband, and that's a big element of faith-based women artists and entrepreneurs. The whole dynamic of the traditional family values, when we speak of values of women of faith, how that can be not a contradiction, but it could be an obstacle in growing your brand or focusing a lot of energy into your art because it's not confined by a nine to five job. So how, how would you address this issue when it comes to differentiating women of faith who have a, a lot of value on family and more traditional roles to pop culture or Western society where it's all about your career and it's all about the career <laughs> and all about you. Yeah. So I think it's unnatural to be egocentric and this whole idea of the Western society of really focus, fo focusing on me, myself and I is really not intuitive to the human being because I mean, now we're going a bit crazy but the studies have shown that the people who live the longest are the ones that are very close connected to community family and are really really in the community and help create impact and value for others because as humans our our purpose is really to create impact and positivity in the world and that means to others and not yourself so i've already forgot your question <laughs> <laughs> but well, I think you're, can you repeat the question sure as a woman of faith how do you address branding yes as somebody who has traditional family values yeah okay so <laughs> thank you so without compromising on your brand and and without compromising on your family yeah so a big part again is really outsourcing what you're not good at because you don't need to do everything and that <clears throat> and that goes for both the business and the art and the family. So I understand traditional family values. And I believe that the way we get to those values is not by having to do everything. So really talking to your family and specifically when you are married, talking to your husband about, listen, this is what I want my family life to look like. And I will treat it as a business. That means I will invest myself in it my energy my love I will do everything to make it meaningful but I am not good at everything and if you are not good and my husband told me this very early on uh, he said Sina um, I really want to be a modern husband but I'm really bad at cleaning the house like you have to do this and I said listen I will do this 
but I will also want to hire someone on a monthly basis to do a deep clean because I love to like organize everything, but the deep cleaning, it just strains my energy. I, ha- I will have allergy for the whole day because I'm, I'm allergic to everything. And, and it just, it just takes too much time and energy away. So treat your family like a business but still incorporate your values into it because you want that result. You want to eat on time. You want family time. You want to spend time with your kids. You want them to develop physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but you don't have to do everything because just as your husband is not good at everything, you are not good at everything and that's totally fine. And it's also, I don't believe that you have to find the spouse that complements you perfectly with the strengths they have so your weaknesses are their strengths and the other way around again just incorporate people specifically when you are close to your family I mean that's why it's so important and that's why people always say um, it takes a village to raise a child it does because there might be an auntie who is very good at you know, keeping your kids busy on the weekend so you and your husband can have some alone time, right? Or you can ask your mother to cook twice a week just to take that weight off your life. So so really investing in treating your life and your family life just as you would invest and treat a business that you want to grow and nurture and the other way around as well. Yeah, I like it and I hate it at the same time. And let me tell you why. I like it because you're coming in with boundaries and saying, it's not like I'm working and then everything else goes toward the family or all your energy. It's more like I'm investing into family now. I want to show up as my best self and not as a a fully drained person after a day of work. Um, The same thing for work. You don't want to show up for your family as I'm clocking in and I'm clocking out. But at the same time, I'm very cautious about using the word business or anything transactional when it comes to family building because it's not a business. <laughs> it, it, it's not a husband buying a wife, even though by Jewish law, technically speaking, and I saw some conversations around that on Facebook recently, there is a transaction that goes through for the husband and wife to be you know, married according to Jewish law he's acquiring her. So that's why I'm very wary to use that word around family. I Yes, I, I totally understand you. And I agree. I think when I think about, about business, for me, it's more the concept of investing in order to grow rather than a transaction. Because I am, I'm, I'm don't really talk about your family being you you as a business owner plus them as your customer product yes it's more like them being the business and you being the business owner because you want to invest in them to grow and analogies also they, they stop somewhere <laughs> so that's like good to do it to that um but one thing i would also say is just get a bit creative in in understanding how you want to build your brand because for instance I am very present on social media but I get anxiety from social media so my brother and (laughs) and uh, my my brother has a agency a social media agency so he handles that in return I help him strategize for his clients so there's like this kind of Understanding that you don't have to do everything and you don't have to compromise at the same time. However, when you look at life and family, 
and you look at your business and your brand, there will always be compromises. There will be a day where you have to take off from your business and your brand because your family needs your attention. And the other way around, sometimes you need to set boundaries and say, from this to this time, I have meetings and these are these are going to help me really skyrocket my brands and my business. So I will need you to take care of the kids or I will need to bring my kids to my mother. There's always going to be the sacrifice and I am not a mother, so I cannot understand the dynamics of being a mother and having this kind of um, this feeling of guilt when you are in one place, but you want to be in the other and the other way around. So everywhere you go, you need to understand that nothing is perfect and nothing has to be. You're still a human being. And that's part of building your brand as well to understand that you are unique in who you are and the identity that you have but there's always imperfection because perfection is not a human quality perfection is not a human quality well how profound let me just say that so much food for thought it's a lot of a lot of the stuff we know but maybe because i'm listening to a muslim woman i feel like i have a fresh way to just listen to things because it's not somebody in my community telling me something I grew up learning. It's the outside perspective, which is why we decided to do this collaboration to begin with. I think bringing that outer perspective with somebody who shares a lot of the same values is so helpful. I think there's plenty of information and plenty of brand strategy (laughs) for everyone (laughs) listening. Is there anything you'd like to offer to our audience, Sina? Yes. Um, so today we talked about a, bit of, a lot of different aspects of personal branding, but I do have a unofficial framework for building a personal brand. And it's the Go Public framework. So you have your purpose, your uniqueness, your brand backers, which is your audience, the reason why your people would follow you or would buy your product or listen to your art. And then the identity. So this is where brand design comes in and communication. And that's one, that's something that we usually talked about in this. So content creation communication is only one part of your personal brand. And there are definitely questions that you can ask yourself to, to create that. So I will share the, the, the framework that I use for personal branding with your audience. That would be so lovely. Thank you so much, Sina, for coming onto the show, sharing your valuable insight and experience with us and sharing this freebie. It sounds just excellent. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, subscribe, and if you're listening on an iPhone, leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to reach out about my music, coaching, or podcast services, email me at franciscak at gmail.com. Also, check out the show notes for all the links. See you next time.